This week on the Rail Splitter, the Abraham Lincoln podcast, we are going to talk about what we think about when we think about Lincoln. To the Rail Splitter, the Abraham Lincoln podcast. My name is Jeremy. Joining me this evening is Mary. Hey, Rail Splitters. And Nick. What's up, Internet Land? So, welcome to another episode of the Rail Splitter. Um, we want to extend a special thank you for everybody listening because just this week, Lincoln, the Steven Spielberg film, was put on Netflix. So our audience probably is now conflicted every time with what they do with their media because you can just watch that masterpiece whenever you want on your phone, <laughs> on your iPad, hopefully not when you're driving, but pretty much it's now always with us if you have a Netflix membership. And I feel like I may be rubbing things into Mary because now, now as I'm saying this, I remembered a post of her saying that it's not on Netflix in Canada. No, um, I mean, I... I... It, but still, I went to put on Netflix the other night and searched for Lincoln, and it didn't show up. And I actually got kind of angry about it because I'm like, "Why snub the Canadians?" Yeah, that's that. yeah, I yeah, that's so we feel for our listeners up north, but for all of the listeners in the United States, anyway. And I know we actually have quite we have a couple listeners in the UK and in various other places, but for our American listeners, we appreciate you taking a short break from your. Uh, Netflix, Netflix, and chilling with Lincoln uh, to spend some time with us because I'm sure that there's uh, that the Netflix audience and our audience has overlapped at least with regard to who's been binge watching the same film over and over again. Um, I was quite happy to see it um, pop up on Netflix. Um, I actually bought the digital copy on Amazon so I can stream it through Amazon Prime too. But um, it's pretty, pretty cool. So thank you for taking a little bit of time away from your Netflixing. Of Lincoln to hang out with us. Uh, I'm actually watching it right now. <laughs> I just always like, have it. Sometimes I turn the sound. I'm on. not joking. It literally is on right now. He just proved it. He is oh, showing it is too. He's showing his iPad with, uh, with the film. So, so I, Nick's a little distracted I, this evening. He's probably among friends. I'm sure maybe some of you are. If you're listening and watching the movie at the same time, tons of credit for you. That's awesome. You've taken. I just put up pause. <laughs> Okay, we now have Nick's attention. This is great. I could put a Lincoln movie on. There is one on Netflix, and it's the one with Henry Fonda. I think it's called Young Mr. Lincoln. I discovered that that was on Canadian Netflix, and I actually, I don't mind that one. I've seen it once, and I don't mind it. So there is a bit of Lincoln love in Canada. I feel so, I feel so badly for you, though, because it's <laughs> when we're talking about what we get to watch <laughs> versus what you do. Speaking uh, of Lincoln movies... I have this great idea for a podcast crossover. Student Kyle Owen, um, he, I think he is a listener. He has a podcast for your reconsideration where they go back through all the Oscar years, um, all the Best Picture nominees, him and his wife, uh, girlfriend do that, Devin. And I was telling him, I'm like, man, we should have you on when we finally talk about Abraham Lincoln Vampires Hunter. <laughs> And then we'll watch five different Lincoln movies, dealing with it, and critique it, and then like hand out the Oscar for best Lincoln movie. 
We might have to exclude Spielberg, so. I think that this is. Uh, I think this. I think we just came up with an episode. That was yep, awesome. I think that's awesome. That's great. Uh, I like normally, that. you guys got to look. You, our listeners just got to see a little bit of behind the scenes. Usually, we have that kind of conversation over our group text. Um, to come up with our ideas. So that's, that's how it happens. One person says like, how about this? And the other two are like, okay, that sounds like an awesome idea. And that's how we, that's how we roll with it. So you just got to see it and stay tuned for the Lincoln Oscars. They will not be timely. Um, that episode probably won't be timely unless it's a year from now. Cause I think the, aren't the Oscars Sunday, I think they they're are. coming up, but perhaps yes, they can, are. Yeah. But they, yeah, that's kind of a cool idea. Another great idea of Nick's, uh, was to talk about as Lincoln enthusiasts how Lincoln just pops into our head sometimes, and when we have, when we think about Lincoln. So Nick, I'll let you kind of talk about the concept for today's episode because I thought it was a great idea. Yeah, basically I've been really busy, and I was like, <laughs> man, I don't got time to do like real research on a topic. So I'm like, what can I come up with that's easy but sounds like a cool idea? So then I'm like, shit, we could just talk about how Lincoln just pops in our head. And even better, he didn't pop in my head this week, so I got nothing. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> so, uh, and, and There's hope. a little bit of truth in all of that that I just said. Um, but basically, you know, I, I figured it was I, – I am actually busy, or I was. Um, and I just thought it would be cool because I, I feel like Lincoln pops up a lot, probably for all three of us. And I think – the viewers can relate because I think some of our best moments are when we just kind of go off the cuff and this is, will definitely be an off the cuff episode. Right. Yeah. So this is your first episode. We do have some well-researched episodes where you might learn something. We also have episodes where I don't know what the term would be. Maybe they're more like fan episodes where we just kind of talk about our love for Lincoln. This would probably be one of those, although I'm sure there's definitely going to be some crossover because we'll talk about some historic facts for sure. Um, but really we're just going to kind of talk about when Lincoln just kind of pops into our head. Um, which it feels good to be able to talk about that because uh, this group and our listeners may be the only people that that happens to. I don't know, but it happens quite a lot. So, um, Nick, it was your idea for the show. Why don't you go ahead and take us, take us, get us going? Um, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, like I was, it comes up actually, um, you know, I teach, so, and it pops up. And right now we're kind of looking at Truman and we're kind of evaluating his civil rights record. And then we're kind of looking at um, one of his speeches that the kids and me were looking at was this, what I call the freedom of fear speech. And it kind of is in retaliation to an incident that happened to an African-American a veteran who came back and got beat up um, to the point where he was blind, which led Truman to speak out about it. And then in my research a couple of years ago, I came across, you know, kind of the first president since Lincoln to talk about race relations and civil rights on a national platform like he did. And I was kind of telling the kids this, and, this, and it's kind of shocking, too, when I think about it. I mean, we're talking like 75 years um, of that. So it comes up quite a bit in the classroom, especially when we're talking, you know, civil rights, because... Obviously, with the abolishing slavery, the 13th, 14th, 15th Amendment. So it pops up quite a bit in class um, for me. Um, as well as, I always like to let them know that we are a four and a half, that I am part of a four and a half star podcast. Because I like <laughs> to annoy my students. 
And we were once five, and I think one of them rated us the one <laughs> because they were sick of me saying it. But little did they know, I enjoy saying we are a four and a half star podcast even better. Yeah, it's got a little bit of nice room for improvement. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think, uh, and I can relate a little bit, Nick, when I was in the classroom, I felt like it, you know, it happened quite a lot um, for me, too, and especially when you're talking about race. Um, and I always kind of look at Lincoln as my my hero because I think that it's important for me as a, as a white man to, um, I don't think it would be appropriate. Obviously, I my heroes include like Malcolm X and Martin Luther King and Shirley Chisholm and, you know, and on and on and on, but I feel like... Um, I, for me to be aspired to be them would be an appropriation that I don't think is appropriate for me to make. Um, so, you know, that's why I kind of look to Lincoln. Um, so I try to find the best in him as often as I can, especially when I'm engaged in conversations about uh, race or work about it, um, for sure. Um, so, yeah, I, I like that, too. And, of course, you know, I've, I always like it when, when we're talking about Truman, too, because he's, as I think we mentioned a couple episodes ago, was that a couple? I think it was a couple episodes ago. Yeah, about uh, presidents and, and our love for for Harry S. Truman of the state of Missouri. It was actually when I was teaching this too, where the idea kind of popped in my head. I'm like, man, Lincoln seems to always be popping up now. Um, and then I'm like, dude, we should just do an episode like this. So that is kind of the origins of that too. So I stopped class. I text all. No, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> Although I will say this, one of the most admirable uh, things about. Uh, Nick that that happened like maybe was it it might have been last week or early yeah, I think it was last week um, that I think maybe is similar to Lincoln I think Lincoln held himself to a high standard but he also held others to a high standard uh, which I think is a very important piece of his character like he expected a lot of himself but he also expected a lot of his cabinet a lot of his generals held him accountable fired them if he needed to praised them when he needed to but Nick did something that was very very admirable uh, he's kind of known in our school for being very fastidious about the cell phone policy at our school which is great because kids need to be learning and not texting so whenever a kid texts he's got a procedure for it well we had a phone turned into the office this week um, because someone was misusing it in Mr. Stangy's cl- in Nick's class and it was Nick himself so a student so I must have seen it I don't know what the story is Nick but I'm guessing a student must have seen you using your phone probably to text us about a show idea so he did the noble thing, and he went ahead and he followed the office procedure of turning in his phone. Um, I didn't get a chance to call Stan- Sandy, his mom, to have her come pick it up, though. So I don't know if it's still in student services or if you got somebody to release it to you or not. But I thought that was very Lincoln-esque of you to hold yourself to the same standard that you expect uh, from your students. I was. Uh, this is actually true. You're not going to believe it, but I was going to use it for class purposes. <laughs> <laughs> I stand that, by that. A, I stand like, by that. Literally, the students say that every time. I'm texting my mom about class or something. Like, okay. I was going to go online and look something up for the class. That is the truth, and I stand by that. And, then, and that may be the truth, but if a student uses it as an excuse, they have the same consequence. So Nick has no, the know, same standard for himself, it. which was awesome, I thought. I did yeah, not take yeah. it to the step of contacting your parents to let them know that they need to come pick up your phone. They would have loved that. Any excuse to get out here. <laughs> uh, so, but anyway, hopefully your phone is back. Well, it is because you just texted us earlier this evening. So I'm glad you got it back and you're you've Thank learned you. your lesson apparently. So, so Mary, do you have a an instance of Lincoln kind of popping up or when he kind of comes up for you? I guess maybe it doesn't have to be specific. Just kind of, um, what do you got? Um, he actually 
he comes up for me quite a bit at work, actually. I work in a bookstore, and uh, one of the questions I often get asked by customers is, what are you reading right now? And I have to tell them what I'm reading is not on our shelves. And they're like, oh, what do you mean? And so I'll tell them, you know, whatever Lincoln book I have on the go or Civil War book. But then that usually leads into a conversation. How did you get into Lincoln? So I tell them my story. And, you know, I do say to them, like, I, I find him to be, you know, very relevant still today. And I find him inspirational. And it's, I've had some really good conversations with customers about Lincoln, like about his speeches um, and all that. And it's amazing how many people like even like just they know who he is and they'll they'll know his his words and all that. And um, so he does come up for me and I've actually customers have written down the names of the books that I've, you know, said that I'm reading and they'll go and they'll be like, oh, I, I think that sounds really interesting. So. Um, he comes up for me quite a bit. And the other times he comes up for me is um, we're selling Fire and Fury for work. I hate to mention that. but um, People will be like, are you reading this? And I'll be like, no, I, I like to read about Abraham Lincoln. And that kind of leads into my next point is I often wonder, you know, what, what Lincoln, like how he would be with certain political issues today, you know, and what, what his stance would be. So I, I do think about him in that way as well. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, I I sometimes fall into like, um, he would think probably very similarly to a, a President Obama. And, <laughs> you know, I kind of almost, yeah. you know, and that's kind of a cop out just to say like, um, you know, but I do feel that their styles were so similar. Um, in very, and we've talked about this on the show several times in very many ways. The best example I can think of is um, Obama with same sex marriage. I don't believe that he was against it or was trying to make his mind up for a second in his adult life. I don't believe that he was ever on the fence about it, much like I don't believe Lincoln was ever debating what to do with slavery. And I'm not equating those two issues. They're both extremely important civil rights issues, but not on the same, not on the exact same level. Um, but I kind of always have thought that there's some parallels there where the political genius of the two of them, their ability to get things done. I don't think Lincoln would emerge now as like a firebrand for um, any sort of reforms or any sort of civil rights issues. I think he would have been astutely working the system as best he could through mm -hmm. his interpersonal skills and through his intellect and through his ability to communicate um, and would have got things done very similarly, I think, to Obama. Um, probably better. Um, I don't know. It's very difficult to say with the way that the media is now and social media is and communication is, but um, and how politics have changed. But what happens after that second term what happened, you know, which party takes over and then what happens, you know, is a, is a political, is a piece of Lincoln, obviously, that we didn't see. Um, however, he was followed by a pretty weak president. Uh, so it's mm -hmm. interesting to think about. But, but yeah, I agree. I think all, every time a political issue arises, what would, what would Lincoln do? Um, and that's sometimes hard to do because he wouldn't have tweeted, but maybe he would have. Who knows? You know, like, it's, it's a different day and age. His early career and writing under this under pseudonyms and the Rebecca letters and all that other stuff. Um, people probably looked at that as not too dissimilar to some tweets that we've seen. You know, there was quite a lot of mudslinging in editorial journalism back in the day. Maybe that's similar. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think to, you know, the point of Lincoln being on Twitter, I, I think he definitely would be on Twitter and he would use it. Like he would know full well how to use it for good. I think he, mm -hmm. 
like, and I think he would have let his just, you know, our humor episode last week, like, I think he would have let his not only just his political thoughts, but his humor shine through on Twitter as, as well. So that's another thing I sometimes think about with like, well, what would he like, how would he use social media? Like, how would he, you know, utilize that? And I think he would utilize it like very positively. But not while he was supposed to be teaching Nick. Yeah. Yeah. Nick. Getting your phone confiscated. <laughs> I think he would have tweeted, uh, my cannon's bigger than your cannon, Jefferson Davis. <laughs> Is that a throwback to the Rubio feud in like, two, in like 2000, whenever the primaries? Uh, no, that's the. Uh, yeah, you were breaking up just a little bit there, Nick. Um, what, what were you saying? I was playing off the Kim, uh, you know, the one he said to the North Korean dictator. My oh, butt's bigger than your butt. That's right. That's right. I got you now. Um, <laughs> I've been, th- um, I kind of been, been thinking Lincoln. I always think of Lincoln in three kind of distinct areas of my life, which are, like, are really the only three areas I really have, I suppose. Um, as a parent, I think of them in a very specific context, especially when it comes to like when I'm really actually on all three, uh, or, or they're the first two anyway, just when I'm frustrated and when it gets challenging to like think of <laughs> how he was as a parent when he had to go through. And, you know, that kind of helps ground me a little bit and to understand because we don't know a lot, a lot about how he specifically parented, although we kind of know that he was very, very strict with Robert and very, very lenient with Tad and lost his other two children. Um, but, you know, beyond that, um, just kind of to, to see, you know, to, to help to keep me grounded and to value the time that I have. Um, and then in a similar way on the work side, I think about him all the time because when I go through stressful situations at work or when I feel like, um, you know, I feel frustration or exasperation or whatever, whatever you want to say, like how my tiny little corner of the world just completely pales in comparison to any sort of stress that um, he had to be under and how he would have dealt with that. Not to say that it was easy or he did it perfectly. Um, Obviously, he, um, you can just see by the pictures of him as he went through the war. Um, what it did to him physically and emotionally and mentally and everything else. Uh, but I do, that dude does help ground me a little bit. Um, and there are obvious like specific things that we maybe can talk about later in the show. Um, specific things that like he did with his leadership, like leadership tools that I think about often. Um, but just, you know, as far as like from an emotional place, thinking of the magnitude of the grief that he faced in his personal life and the magnitude of the stress that he faced in his professional life to really think about, like, man, I really, you know, it's a good time to be alive. You know, like I, you know, mm-hmm. I've got, I've got healthy kids, um, who have access to, to continuing to be healthy, you know, um, God willing. And, um, I have a position where, um, it isn't a public school, so it possibly could be life and death. Um, unfortunately, um, but, uh, but day to day, we get to work with young people and, and really make a difference with some kids. And it's not, it's not very, the, the stakes are not, are, I think the stakes are high relative to, you know, education. Obviously we are, we're charged with a pretty monumental task, but it's nothing like what, um, what he had to go through and, and how he handled it um, with humor and um, where, you know, trusting people he worked with and, and um, using them for support. So those are kind of some more general areas that I think about Lincoln almost daily um 
for sure as a parent and as a professional. And then in my personal life, it's, you know, my hobby. It's where, you know, I can kind of retreat into um, something that's comfortable for me to learn about and I enjoy it and um, reading about and watching Lincoln on Netflix and having conversations like the ones, we're, ones we have. Um, so, yeah, personally with parenting, professionally with work, and then just kind of my hobbies, I guess, are three mm-hmm. general, less specific areas where I think about Lincoln quite often. That's the, like mine is definitely, you know, it's my hobby. It's been a hobby for me since I was six years old. So he's constantly in my thoughts and, and to just like you, Jeremy, um, like professionally as well. Um, and just personally too, like, it's how he helps me keep grounded, I guess, you know, like, like you, I think about, Oh, what he went through and it's like, okay, I'm, it reminds me how lucky I am. Um, and I actually, I have a bracelet that I will often wear to work that says with malice towards none on it. Um, I got it as a Christmas present and it, you know, when, or if I'm having a stressful day, I can look down at that bracelet and I'm reminded of those words and reminded of him and everything that he did in his life. And it's really, you know, and he's somebody that I turn to I'm having a bad day. I can go and read something about him and it will it'll make me feel better. There's a sense of calm that comes over me. Um, I often listen to Lincoln soundtrack when I'm working out or out on a walk. And again, that's very calming for me as well. So he's, he's very much in my thoughts, like all the time. And it's just, he's just such an inspirational, great person to have there with me. Yeah. And I agree wholeheartedly, specifically about the males tour none piece. I use that all the time when at work, mostly, or almost exclusively, that's, you know, I have it tattooed on my arm, and it's definitely, like, the, the idea behind that, and I think the bracelet's an awesome idea just to look at, um, at the risk of getting too specific, which I really can't, you know, I did have uh, someone from, well, I guess a, I can say it's a parent, I can't say any more than that, but a parent had sent an email to one of my supervisors saying that, um, that, that they had gotten a better verbal response from their dog than they got from me. so i'm like you know of course like my first inclination is to be like you know defend myself and go off and you know whatever and then you know it's like that person is advocating for their child in their own way people have said worse (laughs) far worse about me and they will in the future too it's part of my job and and i'll be honest i thought about with males toward none i thought about the conversation we had um last week about the the political cartoons and all the terrible stuff said, I'm like, you know what, this, like, why would I have malice toward that? Like it's somebody that was angry because of, of something that happened to their child and you know, whatever, I can't get into any specifics at all. Um, but that helped me and it helps me all the time to respond with that in a calm way. And, you know, you know, process through that in a way that it's because it's only going to bring me down no, no good's mm-hmm. going to come from that but um i do i do look to lincoln to help me with that stuff um yeah i could tell maybe it's not as insulting as you thought maybe the dog is highly intelligent <laughs> maybe it was talking about specifically a verbal response like you know i don't want to talk badly about it i have no i as I as I as I throw that out there, hey, will you guys give me sympathy for this? You know, um, but uh, it was you know, I have it is you know that that helps me get through it. I, it doesn't bother me that you know, and I can't let that stuff bother me. I've seen mm-hmm. I've seen people in similar positions to mine who who let that stuff get to them, and um, and imagine if Lincoln had let that stuff get to him, 
Um, and you kind of see they kind of over time take on that persona that's probably similar to what we were talking about with McClellan last week where you get that like that such a gigantic confidence that that and we talked about last week really I believe that's underconfidence or no confidence or yeah you know that your self-consciousness I suppose um and you kind of have this facade of like nobody can tell me what's going on I you know as opposed to being self-reflective and saying like okay you said something mean about me but perhaps I didn't communicate you know obviously they didn't get my message I didn't communicate well enough um I didn't whatever didn't do the conversation as well as I should have because they obviously weren't happy with it so um but I, I do think that you have to have a little bit of humility, which is also very much um, exemplified in Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, and I've I've learned that you know working retail as well, where you know you will get some really not not so nice comments made to you about stuff, but then you know and it'll be something that perhaps someone else did where you're working, but you're the one that is on the front lines taking that, and you've got to you can't jump in and just get all defensive. You have to, like, you've got to remember that's a person. Not only are they human, but they're, like, they're a customer too, and we want them to come back. So, I mean, I think of Lincoln in those cases too. Like, I can't get angry with somebody, especially if it's, even if it's something that was out of our control that we didn't get, we didn't get the item in in time for whatever reason because it was backordered. Like, you just have to, you know, I kind of think like, well, how would Lincoln, like, he just keep nice and and all that you know like don't get angry because it's not your fault it's not their it's not the customer's fault either it's it's just sometimes like shit happens i guess mm -hmm. sure or you could really be like lincoln and have the store close and then like no i'm just like a failed store yeah, yeah. Yeah, fail store. I'm uh, sorry, no books, no books anymore. No, yeah. no. Start using the honor system, like just put a basket yeah. on the counter. Yeah, so exactly. like, like you know, just just leave your cash here. And... Yeah, you know, just talk to the that customers. That probably went over for, too well. Yeah, yeah. Talk to customers for hours and they don't buy anything. And yeah, yeah. You know, everybody loves you, but nobody gives you any business. Yeah. And the store fails. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. There's your little his there's your little history lesson of Lincoln as a store owner uh inside joke whatever so <laughs> um any other uh times for for either of you or did you have anything else on your list of specific times maybe that lincoln kind of popped in your head so since we're doing like uh like real stuff here <laughs> um he's always texted back and forth so it's kind of added a nice new layer to me and his relationship as far as like you no know, communication tools just that extra little bit where we text each other a little bit more than maybe we did before the show. So, um, you know, that's been kind of cool from that aspect. So, and I, and I, don't I, know I, I apologize, was... Nick, that you like the connection just briefly cut out. Are you, ta are you talking about your brother? Yeah, me and okay. my brother okay. kind of text more because of the show. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of added a new layer to our relationship. So, which has been, um, you know, nice. And then I don't know if we text as much if it wasn't for that. So, um, which is a cool thing. So it's definitely kind of connected us a little bit more. Um, not that we weren't before, but, you know, just added a different layer to it. Excellent. It's kind of along the line. Like I, thinking about that, like I, having Lincoln in my life, especially, you know, with Twitter and Facebook and all that, like I have learned so much more about him, you know, from the social media, but also it's, I've formed these, like a lot of really amazing friendships, um, 
through that, through Lincoln. Um, so he is definitely like, he comes up a lot more. I mean, he always came up a lot for me, but now he comes up a lot more with, you know, Twitter, um, social media with being on the podcast with you guys as well, which is awesome. Um, just little things like that, that have made my life just that much better. Like, yeah, I'm yeah. very, I'm very similar too. Um, you know, it has brought me closer to some family for sure. Um, also, um, this kind of, it's, you know, I have other hobbies too. Um, none that, none to this level by any means, but like, it's kind of nice to be like, um, kind of known as like, like the, being the Lincoln person, you know, like I had, uh, which was just so heartwarming, a, a colleague of mine, um, he said, Hey, you know, you're really into Lincoln. I was cleaning out my dad's basement and he brought me and I'll tweet a picture of it out. He, uh, he gave me this little, probably six inch, um, copper figure of, of Abraham Lincoln that he found in his dad's basement. Um, and he gave it to me and his dad was actually my seventh grade social studies teacher, um, who was just awesome. And I, um, I'll never forget. I, and this is a super nerdy, but, um, I, on the, on my revolutionary war test, I got every answer correct. And he put an A with 19 pluses on it on my test. I was like, Oh, this is awesome. So, um, which is super nerdy. Cause, uh, you know, whatever, nobody else got them all right. Just saying. Um, but, uh, it was really kind of weird how that had kind of come full circle who I, you know, I now work with, um, his son, um, and, um, you know, have, have very much a working relationship with him. Um, and he thought enough, he's like, Oh yeah, you're the Lincoln person. You got Lincoln stuff in your office. I found this. I thought you might like it. And he gave it to me. I just thought I was so touched by that. I thought it was so cool. Um, but that other people kind of think of, you know, that's one of the nice things about having, you know, having not, not, not really a hobby, but people know you're passionate about something and they, they respond to that. And I think that's something that Lincoln probably, you know, he was kind of known for, you know, um, being a, being a nice person. I don't know about gift giver necessarily. Um, but I think that friendliness, um, is definitely part of him too. So I just thought that was really neat and kind of a cool story too. So that's, yeah, there is there is a sense of comfort that comes from like meeting other people too that are into Lincoln. Like I've I've done a few posts on my blog that are um, like just about my my own struggles with depression in reference to like books like Lincoln's Melancholy, and I've received a few emails from from people saying thank you for this. Like I thought I was alone, and you talking about it has really helped me. Or Hey, this is awesome that there's another Lincoln geek out there. So there, there is this sense of comfort, and that's one of the things that, um, like I love about not just this podcast, but about Twitter and and the Real Splitter Facebook page as well. That it's fostering this amazing sense of community, and it's basically saying like, hey, it's perfectly fine and awesome to be a Lincoln geek, and you can be as much of a Lincoln geek as you want, and you're, you're wholly accepted into the community. And that's, what's really amazing. Yeah. And I yeah. appreciate you saying that. And real quick, I'll, Nick, I'll let you talk about uh, the, uh, we're on a hot streak on the Lincoln Facebook group where we've had a new member every day for like six or seven <laughs> days in a row. And we're up to like 60 or 65 members, which is super awesome. So join that if you haven't yet, it's fun. Yeah. The social media kind of Lincoln uh, community that's out there is awesome. So like the Facebook page is awesome. Like how much is posted I mean, just how much I'm learning from Lincoln just by the posts that people do and just kind of seeing the cool stuff and then, you know, seeing them. Hey, I just noticed, you know, the connection to my hometown. I think we had somebody talking about a town in uh, a city in Massachusetts. Um, I think it was Lowell. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, hey, there's a connection here. So, you know, people getting excited about that. That's very neat. You know, the tweets that come out, tweets towards the show is always cool to see that people are actually enjoying listening to our banter. Um, you know, knowing that we're doing it more than just for the three of us. Um, it's kind of cool and, you know, um, humbling at the same time. So, yeah, the community, I had that down. The social media community. Every day, like I go on Twitter, I see something Lincoln related. So I've always got something in there to remind me of Lincoln and what he was doing or what he was up to. Yeah, um, and, and I agree, Nick. And it's it, it's it's super yeah. fun to kind of see that. Like like for example, yesterday, um, I think it was yesterday was the um, anniversary of the Cooper Union speech. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people were tweeting about that, and I meant to kind of jump in, and then I just didn't get around yep. to it. Um, but what I wanted to jump in there was. So, like, I know that it's the Cooper Union speech. I know I've read the entire speech. We will have an episode on it at, at some point in time. I want to get to where it happened. And I'm, like, 99% sure. But every time I talk about it, there's this nagging thing that's like, is it Copper or Cooper? And I, I, I've looked that up probably 50 times. So, like, and, like, I can, you know, and that's the one thing about, this kind of group and the and this kind of Lincoln like in general like nobody's like really snobbish like oh you don't know the every paragraph of the, you know it's like you just kind of talk about stuff and like oh cool and nobody's gonna be like it's not copper it's Cooper but but like I could tell that story and there's probably other people that are like yeah uh, you know that happened to me too <laughs> or like yeah. or like I've been quoting the second inaugural thinking it was the first inaugural or whatever um, but mm-hmm. yeah there's like that no one will understand that humor except the people who listen to this show that. Like every time I talk about that, I'm like, it's Cooper, right? Cooper, it's Cooper, not Copper. And like, I'll like frankly look it up if I'm going to bring it up on the show just to make sure that I get it right. Even though I know it, I know that it's right, but I can't, for some reason, I can't convince myself that it's not Copper. So anyway, I that, can't that believe that you, you don't see me mispronouncing anything on this show. <laughs> never, so, never. That is 100% unacceptable. And I hate that. That's embarrassing. At least you're like mispronouncing the correct words, because Cooper and Copper are different words. Um, that that is true. Fair enough. <laughs> so, but anyway, uh, one thing that, and just to kind of bring it back, so, so we have a little bit uh, more specific content on Lincoln, um, where I've been thinking a lot about him is I'm reading a, a book on the Martin Luther King assassination. Uh, just because I don't know much about it, so I uh, decided to read it. Um, I decided not to go with James Swanson's book on it, even though I really like James Swanson. Um, part of the reason was because um, his book is is kind of geared toward young adults, and I have no problem with that whatsoever. I read tons and tons and tons of young adult fiction and nonfiction. I just didn't feel like reading young adult this time around. I, like I said, I have no problem with it. Um, so I'm, I'm reading, um, I'm going to make sure I get the title correct. It's called uh, Hellhound on His Trail. Um, it's by a man named Hampton Sides. Um, basically, I think it's called The Stalking of Martin Luther King Jr. and the International Hunt for His Assassin. But thinking about the parallels of the King assassination to the Lincoln assassination has been fascinating for me. And like the whole time I'm reading this book, I'm thinking of Booth because they there was a time where they couldn't find... Um, James Earl Ray, he was kind of, you know, he was on the run. Um, and he also had a similar feeling, like if he went to certain places, he'd be welcomed. Um, and people wouldn't wouldn't turn him in. He felt like he could go to Alabama for a while and lay low and be okay and was sorely mistaken. So, um, But I, I think that there's a lot to be 
said about if you have a very because I think sometimes historians get a bad rap for being like experts on a certain area that somehow they don't understand other areas of history. And I probably had that same feeling for a long time until I really got into Lincoln because I think, a, and, and Lincoln maybe maybe exemplifies this more than other figures, but I, I truly believe like the more I understand Lincoln, the more I understand American history in general, and the more I understand the Civil War, um, the more I understand history in general. Not to say like I magically learned facts about it, um, but you know, when people compare one president to another or, you know, I just feel like when you have a really deep and intense knowledge of one figure, that doesn't mean you don't know anything about anybody else. It just means that you have a very good frame of reference to base historical interpretation on. Um, and that's where I think about Lincoln all the time. So even if I'm having a conversation about, um, well, here's a good example. Right now in Illinois, and this is not me trying to make a plug, although I'm just going to take the opportunity. Um, right now in Illinois, we have a, uh, gubernatorial election on the horizon and there's a primary on March 20th. Well, on the on the Democrat side, we've got two two literal billionaires and a underfunded um, candidate who kind of, you know, is kind of a grassroots kind of campaign. And I really want, I'm very, very wholeheartedly supporting that grassroots campaign and I'm looking at people like Lincoln and Douglas or Lincoln and whoever else, you know, him being under-resourced, underfunded, and creating that grassroots, and, you know, his momentum came from his message. Um, and, you know, I really don't like that in modern-day politics you can buy your way into politics. You can be a billionaire with no experience and become president of the United States. I don't like that nearly as much as the idea behind Lincoln where you can come from nothing and become president of the United States. Mm -hmm. Um, so in Illinois, we have Daniel Biss, who didn't come from nothing by any means, but he's not a billionaire. Um, he's an intellectual. He, you know, he's got a, a PhD in math from MIT. Um, his running mate has a PhD from Northern Illinois University. So like very smart people who work in government, that's what they do. So they're good at it. Going up against a literal Kennedy, uh, Robert Kennedy's son, and the in a hotel heir who inherited billions of dollars their policies are fine but i think about lincoln when i think about politics all the time where um i want to see someone come from you know come 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 you know kind of a self-made person right somebody like lincoln who's who's not born into anything um even though i did name my daughter after rfk and, and other members of his family. But anyway, that's all another story. No, I, I agree with what you're saying completely about that. Coming from the grassroots is nice. And we haven't had, like, in our poll, like, here in Canada, I mean, um, Trudeau is um, a great prime minister, but he certainly didn't come from grassroots. I mean, his his father was prime minister, and, like, Justin was able to travel the world, you know, by the age of 12, he'd been to far more countries than I'll ever see, you know, or visit in my life at all. Um, but yeah, I can see, in, now there has been a few people, because um, we have people in my, like, you'll run for, you'll have a leader who, or a person who represents you in federal parliament. So there will be someone like from my, here in county, who will be a member of the Liberal Party or a member of the Conservative Party. And there have been some grassroots members, 
you know, run from that. And those are the ones that I find myself now getting behind because they generally know what the real issues are and they haven't bought their way into it. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I, I, I don't think that that's necessarily, necessarily good or necessarily bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, in this particular case, I mean, I, I do, Lincoln, I think is a good example of how it could be. Mm-hmm. It's a great thing. Um, and yeah. what I, what I, I think that the conversation comes down to like campaign finance and things like that. Like yeah. it shouldn't be like a Cinderella story, I guess, for lack of a better metaphor but you know it really shouldn't be where that's the exception where you you've got to be i think everybody should have to be amazing and maybe it is an exception every every person should be exceptional to reach that level they really should be um the best of what we have um representing us right and that's obviously not true because there's no way the best of what we have is 80 percent man and 90% 90% white or what, you know, I don't know, whatever the makeup of our current representation is. So, um, but anyway, I do think that there's a lot of Lincoln in that where, um, you can look at those, those stories of people coming from nothing and getting, and being successful, um, as opposed to, you know, the old saying being born on third base and thinking you hit a triple, which never happened, you know, happens all the mm-hmm. people think that all yeah. the time, but it's obviously not true. So, you know, you guys are kind of using Lincoln, kind of setting your bar as what you kind of look for in a political candidate, you know, and stuff like that. And which I totally understand, which led me to another point that I had that I wanted to make tonight. I think what happens a lot, and this is going to go with comedy, and I was thinking about this while watching The Daily Show the other night. You know, a lot of times these comedians, to set up and go after the current politicians, they set that bar of like what a good politician should be. And then I find Lincoln kind of becomes that kind of that bar. For example, The Daily Show, um, you know, attacks, obviously, Trump being the president and Trump being Trump. Um, they were going after him. But to kind of make their point a little bit more, they started their whole segment kind of with a brief picture of, like, Lincoln and something like, ah, uh, you know, like, oh, this is presidential. We have, like, the picture of Lincoln, right? <laughs> kind of setting that bar so you can think of the absurdity that is American politics right now. So... I find that fascinating, and you see that a lot, that Lincoln gets used as kind of this measuring stick, and then we attack them and to show how ridiculous things have gotten in American politics now. Kind of what you were kind of doing, not on necessarily a comedic standpoint, but a more serious standpoint right there, which I thought was um, you know, very similar to what comedians do a lot of times, especially the ones that dabble in politics. Right, and I think that my point was... Not necessarily that that every politician I'm hoping is to the level of Lincoln, but that this I wish the system was set up for for that to happen, right? I mean, how many Lincolns were enslaved before 1865? How many Barack Obamas were oppressed by Jim Crow? Like, who knows? Mm -hmm. Untold numbers, right? But you know, percentage-wise, you know, it's they're all very very small percentage, but the percentage of um, people who want to go into politics, who have, who were born into millions of dollars or made millions of dollars, is a lot higher, <laughs> you know, than people who weren't, right? So, you know, I do think that um, that that's important, and I, you know, I think about Lincoln a lot when I think about when I decide who I want to vote for. I think about him as the standard, um, and I try to vote by by the more the most Lincoln esque people that that we have to offer that are on the ballot, and I and that. I feel confident with that. Now, obviously, I think about things like, um, 
you know, net neutrality and same sex marriage and, um, public education, all those other things that really weren't, weren't Lincoln's issues. So it's not like I'm going on an issues level, but on a, on a personal level, I do. But I think for so many people, Lincoln is the standard. That's the bar that you set for whatever you're trying to do, whether it's comedy, comparing, you know, candidates. Um, so Lincoln is the standard bearer. And I think you saw that around President's Day. I mean, he is the standard bearer in just about every list that mm-hmm. came out, I think. Um, so, yeah. And I think a lot, of that, a lot of that is part of the myth of him as well. Uh, you know, yeah. a lot of that's probably not, not necessarily due or not due in the same way. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. And I think a lot of that is a vast misunderstanding of Lincoln. Um, in, in how history Oh, yeah. I mean, we could talk whether he deserves it or not, but that would be nice. <laughs> Does he deserve to be number one? Is it? I mean, it's a good conversation to have. Right. Well, it's a weird conversation because my answer is like, yes, but not how you're saying it. <laughs> he deserves to be number one because <laughs> yeah, of how I, I say he deserves to be number one, not because of, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like you don't know what you're talking about. Like, this, you know, like, because, you know, every single, like, every political party, every political affiliation from the most selfless people to the most selfish, like have claimed Lincoln in some way or another. And I think about that a lot too, because man, that drives me nuts when people, you know, I'm sure you could probably find people on both sides of the gun control debate who are claiming Lincoln. And you can find people who are on both sides of any debate saying like, oh, he would have been this way or he would have been that way. He was a liberal, he was conservative, he was a Republican, he would have been a Democrat now. Like all of those um, competing things like everybody wants to claim him. Um, and that's, and it's become a myth. And, and I think that, ha- that he's not alone with that. I think that there's a lot of, you know, Jefferson and Washington for sure. Ronald Reagan, I think is one who's, um, by far of, of the modern presidents who's and Kennedy, maybe a little bit too, whose policies are completely ignored. And they've created this myth of him as like this conservative hero or Kennedy as this liberal hero when they weren't like Reagan was not, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think he did quite a lot of things that have set this country way, way, way back, but he wasn't, he wasn't the conservative icon that he's now mythically believed to be. Um, so I think, you know, history kind of, and that's why scholarship's important. That's why history education is important. No, I mean, you you bring up a fascinating point. Why are people ranking Lincoln at the top would be be fascinating to see. Mm -hmm. And then to see how how much of it's historically inaccurate. Um, Yeah, you know, a bunch of, some people are just know-nothings and are jokes like Fillmore himself, so. (laughs) That's right, and there you go. We brought Fillmore in. Um, what else? What are some other times that Lincoln pops in your head? Maybe could be good, could be bad. Um, and if you're listening, definitely tweet at us uh, or throw something up on the Facebook page of, you know, when you've thought about Lincoln. I think a lot of our listeners, um, the Facebook page especially, are awesome about posting pictures when they're they see something either in their town or when they're traveling. I love looking at those. Yeah, um, those are awesome. Because I'm a big roadside attractions kind of person too when I travel. Yeah. So. Um, I really like to see that stuff. That's that's really, really cool. This isn't really a time when Lincoln popped into my head, but he sometimes I will find him in the weirdest spots, like where I don't expect to. So I was over in uh, Port here in Michigan on Saturday with my mom and my husband, and I was wandering around Sam's Club, and I went to the book section, and there's Abraham Lincoln, like this, like the action president's comic book, 
kids book that I had brought up last week on the show is right there. That was the last spot I had expected to find it. And I kind of, it kind of slipped my mind that it had been released recently, but I picked it up and I ended up buying it, but I was like, wow, that's, you know, I didn't, I mean, I've seen biographies of him at Sam's club, but I did not expect to find a kid's book about him there of all places. So he like winds up in the weirdest of spots for me. Like I'll see him mm-hmm. somewhere. Yep. Yeah, I agree. And there's like, I do enjoy like memes and stuff to pop up with them too. I don't know. I don't know if it was in one of our Facebook groups or if I just saw it on Twitter, uh, but somebody had, um, and if I'm not giving credit for whoever found this, I apologize if you're a listener, but somebody had tweeted a picture of a Lincoln, like the vehicle Lincoln with a Confederate flag bumper sticker on it. Yes. Yeah. That was, um, (laughs) yeah, that was charmed Magnolia, Brittany. She's okay. Yeah. yeah, Awesome. Okay. Yeah, she's, yeah. yeah, I like her Twitter. She's yeah, she's cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but her quote was even better because she said a car divided against the self cannot stand yeah. or cannot run or something. Like, wow, that was like you made it even better. Yep. <laughs> so that was brilliant. So any other times that uh that are on your list for Lincoln kind of just popping up or when you think about Lincoln? When I put my Lincoln socks on. That's right, me too. Yeah. Which I which I always wear when I'm uh when we got a, like a big screening for uh that vet doc class stuff. So I always make sure I got my Lincoln socks on. Yeah, Makes I me feel good. I yeah. wear my link I will wear my Lincoln shirts to work and that's when I'll get, you know, the odd comment like, Who is that on your shirt? And the one that's been getting a lot of comments recently is my shirt with um the Peacemakers painting on it. Oh, nice. Like, what is that on your shirt? So I have to explain to them who it is, and then some people are like, "Oh, it's a, it's a really cool painting. I've never seen it before." But, um, so like, yeah, I do. So I've become kind of my coworkers know me as the the Lincoln geek around yeah. around work. Yeah, not a bad distinction to have. So, um, and yeah, Nick Nick mentioned uh, screenings. I did have the opportunity to see Nick's screening. Um, some students at our school uh, in Nick's class do a, um, they've actually put together a feature link documentary that was screened at the Boyd International Film Fest. I did tweet something out about it, but I didn't want to mention on the show that, uh, man, it was amazing, amazing work that the, that Nick and the students did. The documentary was amazing. And I was thinking about Lincoln, kind of looking at that because it was a lot about, well, it was about experiences in the Vietnam War um, before, during, and after for, for, I don't know, what do you have, maybe 10, 10 or 12 um, yeah, that's in there. Um, but I, for some reason I kept thinking about Lincoln, uh, riding through Petersburg and kind of, um, how that would have played out in like the, the soldier's experience in the civil war in Vietnam and how not a whole hell of a lot changed really as far as care for, um, the soldier in, in, in the second inaugural, the malice toward none piece is always in there, but Lincoln specifically, and I think one of the things that gets lost in that second inaugural, he specifically talks about care for veterans and mm-hmm. their families in that speech, basically saying, like, we have a duty to all of these people. Um, and I think that I think that the whole course of how we care for veterans would have changed if he didn't if he was not assassinated because he was explicit in that in his um, in the second inaugural saying, you know, he who have borne the battle and talks about how that they deserve care basically setting setting forth that that was one of his initiatives for a second term was to to make sure that they were taken care of and of course they weren't not nearly not nearly well enough in the civil war 
And then you look fast forward to um, Nick's Nick's work showcasing uh, veterans not being respected by civilians, but also dealing with after effects of war, both psychologically and physically, um, and and not really getting what the not not getting the heroes welcome they deserve. So um, mm. I think there's there's something to be learned, immense lessons to be learned from the veterans themselves, but also from uh, in a Lincoln context. Um, what 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 we owe veterans that co the cost of war um, continues until every single person who was there has passed on, and then and then after that even too, it's not just when the bullets start, stop flying. So, but anyway, the screening was great. I was super proud of the students, and Nikki did a great job. So, huge props. Um, and if Thank you're you. anywhere in the Northern Illinois area, you can check it out Saturday um, at the Big House, La Casa Grande. It's actually called La Casa Grande, but anyway, it's in Beloit, Wisconsin. <laughs> I highly, highly recommend it. Um, or just supporting local filmmakers. Um, I got I got a chance to catch another film afterward, which was also great. So, uh, but anyway, well done. Thank you. Um, awesome. So, congrats, Nick. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, thank you very much. Yeah, it was. Yeah, excellent, excellent, excellent. So. Um, and it, you know, it wasn't really about Lincoln. I, you should see it. Everybody should see it. It's about Vietnam. So, um, so a couple quick show notes or show reminders. Next week we are doing the the second installment of our Lincoln Book Club, reading David J. Kent's Lincoln, the Man Who Saved America. So, um, you don't have to read along with us, but we encourage you to do so. And that would be chapters five through eight. Uh, we'll chat about uh, on the next show. That's gonna. Um, go live on March 8th and um, is there anything else from the show oh um, we do encourage you to write uh, reviews if you could on iTunes uh, they help us we always say this but we just want people to be able to find us and the more ratings we get the more the higher up we show up on searches and things like that and we did get a review so we will read it on the air so if you write us a review we will read it on the air because um, we just like to do that uh, did we get another one we might have gotten two since we're since our Ooh. last show. Wow. Maybe not. Oh, that's exciting. Maybe not. Uh, we'll read it good or bad, too. Yes, we will. And if you want to put hashtag your favorite rail splitter, hashtag Team Nick, I believe, is what everybody puts, right? Um, so, no, we have one uh, that was just posted on Sunday from ELH269. Um, so we will read the review because we read all our reviews. Uh, this one happens to be a five-star review, so thank you. Thank you so much, ELH. Uh, this is the thought taken from Spielberg's Lincoln that runs through my mind after listening to an episode of the Rail Splitters podcast. I've been in, uh, and, and then, uh, sorry, the title was, uh, What a Joy to be Comprehended. Uh, this is the thought taken from Spielberg's Lincoln that runs through this reviewer's head. I've been an avid Lincoln enthusiast since my parents took me to visit his home on our first family vacation. His words continue to inspire me and shape my worldview today. The passion the hosts have for Lincoln shines throughout the dialogue of every episode, and the thoughts shared about his impact on America and the rest of the world today are very similar to my own. However, I also appreciate how the hosts managed to make connections between Lincoln and everyday life that I hadn't considered before. In one episode in particular, there was a connection made between Lincoln's handling of his cabinet secretaries and the decisions made by a basketball coach during a game that rang very true for me as a basketball coach as well. I highly recommend to any and all Lincoln enthusiasts, and I look forward to many more episodes to come. Wow, what kind words. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Coach Popovich. 
it was it was kind of a cryptic username, so let's just we can assume that it was the person we're thanking and possibly Greg Parkovich. <laughs> so all right, any parting thoughts? Oh we have a this week in Lincoln. This week is brought to you by Rail Splitter Mary. Okay, so again when I was over in Port Huron on the weekend, um going into various stores and stuff, but St. Patrick's Day had exploded and it exploded in the way of displays of Guinness cans like everywhere. Um, so I walked by one and I had to do a double take because, and I actually blurted out to my husband, I'm like, oh my God, there's Lincoln on a Guinness can. And sure enough, it's Re- Mount Rushmore on a Guinness can. So um, I sent it to Jeremy and Nick via our real splitter chat. Um, and I was like, okay, now he's on a Guinness can. Anyway, I did a little bit of Googling about it. And apparently it's a special edition can that commemorates the 200th anniversary of our first export from Dublin to America. Um, I think it actually, it's been around since October 2017 from what I've read. Um, and it says it proudly features our Guinness over Rushmore artwork from the early 1950s. So there's Mount, Mount Rushmore and there's these um, these two cans, these birds, and they've got, they're balancing bottles of Guinness on their beaks. And like the presidents on Mount Rushmore, Lincoln included, are all looking down at these, like the birds and the looks on their faces are actually pretty hilarious, like on the presidents. Um, But anyway, I thought that was really cool. And it was another example of like, when I will randomly see Lincoln somewhere on like a can of beer is the, you know, kind of the last place I expect to see him. But nonetheless, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. A can of beer imported from Ireland, no less. (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah, that was... Um, I was lucky enough to go to Ireland uh, two summers ago, and I did do a tour of the Guinness Brewery, and that was one place where Lincoln probably really didn't pop into my head at all. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we're importing, you know, which is kind of cool, I guess, impor- imported beer with Lincoln on the on the actual can. So that's a great example of uh, this week in Lincoln. Uh, so if you're a listener, well, once again, we appreciate you. Thank you for taking your time away from Lincoln on Netflix. Um, and you can go back to it now. Um, but thank you once again for listening. Uh, we are super excited to have um, kind of built the community that we have. So continue to watch. If you would like to follow us on Twitter or Instagram, we are at RailSplitterPod. You can find us on Facebook uh, and join the Facebook group by just searching for RailSplitter. Or you could always email us at TheRailSplitterPodcast at gmail.com. We will be back next week with the second installment of the Rail Splitter Book Club, reading Lincoln, the Man Who Saved America. So thank you once again for listening. For Nick and Mary, my name is Jeremy. And please keep walking the world with malice toward none and with charity for all. And we will see you next week.